2: Welcome to Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic Channel. As always, I'm Adam Best, joined by the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and producer Richard doing his things behind the scenes. How's the offseason treating you, Sterling? You bored it's good,
1: yet? good, man. Yes. Football, very, very bored. Uh, but all in all, things are fun over here. Golf game coming into swing. There you run. Um Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Went to the pool once already this year. I can't complain. I've been been like three or four times, man. I'm I'm loving it. I can't complain at all. How you been?
2: Uh, I'm good. I'm a little bored as a mostly football fan at this point. As I've gotten older, you know, when I was very young, I liked baseball. And then I quit that. And then I quit watching college football. And then I quit watching the NBA. And now it is just like almost strictly NFL. So Mm -hmm. this is a boring time for me.
1: Yeah, at least we have talk with PGA, LIV, DP World Tour, NBA Finals Game 3 is tonight, which I will be watching. Uh, I'm still a big baseball guy, but let's be real. The Royals are two scoops. You know what? No, the Royals are three scoops of ass. There is so much ass going on. The Royals are just, they're absolute buns, dude. They are buns. So, yes. Uh, trying to find info coming out of OTAs is about all I am living for right now. That in golf, uh, but before we get into all things Chiefs related, everyone listening right now, if you guys want to do us a huge solid, if you like Adam, if you like me, if you hate us but still want to support the podcast, go to Caesars Sportsbook and use code Arrowful. It's A R R O W F U L L and get your first bet on Caesars up to twelve hundred and fifty bucks on any sport. The offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, code AeroFull at Caesars Sportsbook. If you want to win some money, you want to have some fun, Game 3 NBA is tonight. It'd be a good time to throw some money on it. You want to throw some money on the heat, throw some money on the nugs. Now is the time. First bet on Caesars up to $1,250 on any sport. And if you already have Caesars, you can head to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find more betting offers and ways to support the podcast.
2: The other thing you can do to help us is if you're listening to this on the Arrowhead Addict podcast uh, podcast feed, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel because over on YouTube, you you can get a lot of shorts, a lot of things that we don't offer anywhere else. And it's maybe the thing that will help the business out the most. So please consider doing that. With that said, Sterling, we are bringing back a show favorite, the KC Stock Market Pump or Dump. Are you ready to chop it up?
1: Let's do it, baby.
2: All right. First off, we're going to start with a couple of hot rumors. A Chase Young or Daniil Hunter trade is a smarter use of capital than signing DeAndre Hopkins. So, SIS Albert Breer reported, I believe yesterday or the day before, that the commanders are open to listening. What Always a strange phrase, like open to listening on young. And Ian Rappaport said the same thing today about Hunter and the Vikings. So what do you think? Bringing in a younger edge, preferable to chasing that uh,
1: Hopkins past production? Well, let me lay this out really quickly. In the grand scheme of things, I would say yes. I would say pump without a question. But what it comes down to now is, To acquire DeAndre Hopkins, you're not giving up any draft capital. You're not paying both debit and credit, right? To acquire Hunter or Chase Young, you got to pay basically debit and credit. Those guys want extensions, especially Chase Young, obviously, going into his last year of his rookie deals. Fifth-year option was not picked up. you got to give something to get him and then double down. That makes me wary. I like Chase Young, but he's not stayed healthy. There's a reason why Washington is listening to offers. There's a reason why Minnesota is listening to offers. Minnesota was a playoff team last year. The NFC is horrible, and they're listening to offers on one of their best pass rushers. That gives me some, some, some question marks over here, right? What is going on that we don't know? Um In your mind, what do you think would cost to bring in a Hunter as far as trade capital? What would it cost to bring in Hunter? What would it cost to acquire Chase Young? Chase Young, I
2: think, is going to be a little less expensive despite his draft capital because he hasn't been able to stay on the field. Also, if you look at the commanders, they have to, uh, they probably want to sign Montez Sweat over him because he's similar production, but he's stayed healthy. They've already paid Duron Payne and some other defensive linemen. So I think it's either trade him or let him walk because I just don't think they have the cap room to franchise him with what they're spending on their defensive line. I could be wrong. It, and if he has an amazing season for them, a superstar type season, they'll find a way. But I think third, fourth ballpark for him. And if it's a fourth, even just renting him for a year if he he turns out to be pretty damn good and and potentially that helping us win a championship because here's how I'm coming at this. Without Dunlap, without Frank Clark, there's a lot of potential on this defensive line, but there's not a lot of security. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of unknowns. Karloftis, I know you're high on him, turned it up a little bit at the end of last season, still an unknown. FAU is a complete unknown. Charles Amenehu never played a real snap in Kansas City. He's looked great in a smaller sample size. Will that kind of, will expanded work, will he keep that high level of play up if he gets a bigger role? And in today's NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles showed us the blueprint. You, you win uh, partially by having a monster defensive line rotation that keeps these guys fresh and healthy and turns up the pressure at all times. The other thing,
1: until you get stonewalled in the Super Bowl by the Chiefs, but yeah.
2: Well, you come up against the demigod, and uh, that's what happens. But think about where Brett Beach has has spent, okay? Has he spent on corner? No, he has not. He's let corners walked away. I mean, that's that's been his MO there. Has he spent on receiver? He just let Tyreek walk away. He just let McColl Hardman and Juju walk away. He hasn't bit on either Odell or DeAndre Hopkins, and he's he's spent a third-rounder trading for Kadarius Toney and two twos on uh, Rashi Rice and Sky Moore, but he is willing to spend on the offensive line and defensive line. That's where I think he wants to spend, and there's nothing he loves more than a reclamation project, which I don't think Daniil Hunter is, but Chase Young is very much a a first round pick that hasn't worked out quite as anticipated. And that's, there's nothing he loves more than that, right? Uh,
1: I will say this, Daniil Hunter had double digit sacks last year, but both have had a long litany list of injuries already in their careers. Uh, That does make me a little nervous. Again, paying debit and credit. That's the only reason why I'm saying dump. If it's a fourth rounder for a rental, yeah, I'm fine with that. But if you start talking about third, second, Uh, to bring in one of these guys and you can't get a deal done long-term I am out I'm actually pretty optimistic about the state of the defensive line for Kansas City I think about halfway through the year you're going to see a noticeable a noticeable improvement uh, especially from guys like Charles FAU I think Carl Loftus is going to look like a 9 10 11 sack type of player this season um normally I would say pump, but because you have to draft capital and I guess maybe I think the draft capital is going to be higher than you do. I'm going to dump. Yeah.
2: I think on Hunter, it could be a second rounder. Um, Or at least like a, they get a second rounder and we get a fifth or sixth, something like that. Uh, If the choices are going this route or giving 15 million to Deandre Hopkins, I'm pumping all day long. I want none. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, and, <laughs> that's, you know, that's I, my options. <laughs> I think both of these guys do have true superstar uh, potential. The mistake we made with Frank Clark is making a superstar trade for a guy that did not have superstar potential. That's on, uh, did, that's on us.
1: is on one year younger than Frank Clark. So if we're talking about potential, about a guy who's 28 years old, I'm out. I think
2: he's a superstar right now. I mean, he, he was a great player last year. I mean, he had, Uh, his PFF grade was like 87 or something. He's a really good player. And I I think maybe the injuries here can get you a discount. And that's what I'd be looking for.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time, and
1: if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars.
0: Limited time only, price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: We'll, we'll move on because I, I again, I, I'm not going to be upset, but as long as you get a long-term extension done with either of those two guys, and it does not uh, keep you from resigning a legerious Sneed, a Creed Humphrey then I'm fine. That's where it comes down to. I think those guys are the priority for me. I, again, I'm, I'm more bullish on the defensive line for Kansas City than I think you are. Uh, but new edge, Charles Aminahou, will be the breakout player for the 2023 Kansas City defense. Pump or dump?
2: Yeah, I'm going to pump just because I think this is like Spag's dream player. Uh, just a power powerful freak with go-go gadget arms, that is a better pass rusher when you kick him inside on second and third along than he than he is outside. I think Spagnolo will know just how to use this guy. Uh, he had more quarterback hits than Frank Clark last year and way less snaps, uh, pass rushing snaps. His win rate was a little bit higher than Chris Jones's. Now Chris Jones gets double teamed more than any player in the NFL, and Charles Amenyhu plays alongside guys like Nick Bosa. So take that with a grain of salt, but he you know, he is a very, very potent pass rusher, especially from the inside. Uh, there was a reason a lot of smart people in NFL media circles thought this was the most underrated signing uh, per dollar in the entire free agency this year.
1: Yeah, I'll go a slight pump here. I'm not quite as enchanted by him as you are. I need to see more. Again, he didn't start. He didn't play a ton of snaps last year overall. He played in all 17 games, which is great, but he didn't start. He started, I think, in three is what the breakdown was. He had four and a half sacks. I need to see a little bit more before I'm all in on him having a complete breakout. Uh, I, I like the thought of him being a souped-up Mike Dana in the nice, in the NASCAR package. He's 6'5", he's 280. I love the under, underlying analytics um, but I do need to see a little bit more. I'll be a slight pump if he gets around seven sacks this year. I'd be pretty happy.
2: You know me and sacks, man. I'm more interested in the pressures, the quarterback hits, mm-hmm. how much he's winning because I think the the, the sacks are uh, they're just a little up and down. There's a lot sure. of a lot of variance there, right? And I, I think he played more like a, a guy that that should have eight or ten sacks if he gets the, the playing time and can be, I don't know how you're going to block him when he's rushing the passer next to Chris Jones. I mean, that is just going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive coordinators uh, because he's just too powerful with those long arms for guards to handle.
1: Yeah. Uh, either way, I think the chiefs, defensive line, as I mentioned earlier, it's gonna be pretty darn good. I think it's gonna be a lot better. I get first half of the year. I'm nervous. i not going to front first half of the year, whatever happens, we're, we're going to see. Second half of the year. Watch out. This group might be filthy, uh, but we the- could
2: use another body, though. I want I want another body before the uh, the off season's over and Leonard Floyd going to Buffalo. Man, that was a good signing by them. I have to say they got a, a good bargain. It was something like nine million, right? Yeah. One year.
1: Yeah, Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is still out there, but that's going to be a more expensive pickup if I had to imagine. Uh, Casey Stockmarker, Pumper Dump, Miami adding superstar Jalen Ramsey and legendary defensive coordinator Vic Fangio turns the AFC's big three into the AFC's big four. Pumper Dump.
2: Man, I'm just a pumping fool today, but I am really high on Miami. I think they have a chance to win the AFC East. I really do because now it's going to depend on a, on a few things. Teron Armstead, their left tackle, needs to stay healthy. But I like that they brought in Isaiah Wynn from the Patriots as sort of an insurance plan, a swing tackle there. Uh, and then Tua. It all comes down to Tua's health. If he's right, you look at Mike McDaniel and what he did with Tua. And then you think back to his mentor, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Last year, the Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo tandem was top five in EPA per play. Nobody else can do that, except maybe Mike McDaniel, who had Tua in that same range. And I'm looking at Tua as a souped up, you said souped up, so that's in my brain, but a souped up Jimmy Garoppolo with a little bit more natural raw talent. And you just think about the speed on that offense. And then you look at Jalen Ramsey. The best cornerback in the league, hands down, over the past decade. And I think because of his size, because of his intelligence, he will be able to, if he slows down, play some safety. And then Vic Fangio, say what you will about him as a head coach. Not a good head coach, but, but one of the most, uh, I think, influential defensive coordinators of the modern era. I mean, all this too high stuff that made the Chiefs change their offensive identity, that originated with him. So I think that defense is going to take a huge step forward. That offense is going to be lethal. And, and quite frankly, I think Buffalo has some some fatal flaws. I just think that they're not very good at coming up with tailor-made game plans defensively in the playoffs. Uh, their offensive line, I don't like it. Josh Allen tends to implode when the pressure gets dialed up. So I think they are uh, susceptible.
1: I have my, I, I am so far dumping this. I think they're the third best team in the AFC East. Um, I'm out, man. I, I get what you're saying. Tua Tagovailoa and that offense was was good last year. That defense was an absolute train wreck. It was one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Jalen Ramsey. They have some guys. They went out and got Bradley Chubb. Um, I understand their defense should be better because it's probably not going to be that bad as it was last year. But I think their offense also might take a step back. I don't trust Tua. I, that was probably his peak. I, I have no idea injury concern wise, what he's going to look like. Uh, I can't put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. The, my, the Buffalo bills have some flaws, but the main flaw is your quarterback, at least in my opinion for, for the dolphins, that's a bigger flaw than anything. The Buffalo bills have. So I'm out, I'm dumping hard. And I frankly think they have a worse record than the, uh, than the New York jets, the New York jets who play in Jersey, by the way, that always pisses me off. Like, come on, how can you claim to be the greatest city? In the world, and both your football teams play a state over.
2: Yeah, I guess there's just not room. Having spent a lot of time in New York for a football stadium, but I am I'm so out on the Jets. I think this is going to be just an implosion because they are setting Aaron Rodgers up to to really do whatever the hell he wants. And I think that was the problem before Lafleur came in to Green Bay. And got him like, no, dude, we're gonna do motion. You're gonna do all these things that you don't wanna do because it's just good football. Uh, we're gonna rein you in and put in some guardrails. Uh, I am just I, I have predicted that the Packers will win more games than the Jets and I'm I'm staying true to that. I really believe it. So we, we could not be more yeah.
1: polar opposites on this one, right? We are far off, but maybe on Hot Take Kingdom, we won't be. Bringing us to our next segment, Hot Take Kingdom. Adam is going to come up with a hot take and we will decide, are we coming into the kingdom with him or are we saying, no, Adam, that was a stupid idea. That's a horrible take. I want nothing to do with it. We will end the segment with a poll where all of our viewers, all of our listeners, all you guys can vote on whether you guys agree or disagree with Adam's hot take. What do you have for us this week?
2: Well, first off, it's good for Hot Take Kingdom to be back. Yeah. Second, Secondly, I'm going to bribe the viewers by saying we have Q39 in the castle. We have Jack Stack. We have Gates, if that's your uh, speed.
1: We have- it's hypothetical. You'll never see it. Trust me, guys. He's done this to me all the time. He yeah. always tells me there's some in there. He always goes, Hey, Sterling, there's a beef nooner from Gage with extra hot barbecue sauce in here and some extra crispy fries. Guess what? Yet to see it. It's all hypothetical. Don't let him sway you that way. Do
2: let me. This week's Hot Take Kingdom is Steve Spagnolo is the most underrated ingredient in the Chiefs' championship formula. Welcome to the kingdom. So, I kind of had a little rant on Twitter about Spags, and then I got this idea from one of my followers, Juan, aka at Texas24nerd. Good follow, always has insightful uh, responses to my stuff. So here's the breakdown of Chiefs defenses under spags before the bye week and then after the bye week plus during the playoffs. So keep in mind here that the latter half is skewed a little bit due to level of competition in the playoffs. So just keep that in the back of your mind. First, let's look at DVOA before the bye during the four years of spags. 2019, 2020, 21, and 22. Before the buy, they are 27th overall in DVOA. After the buy, 18th. Success rate. Before the buy, 25th. After the buy, despite the jump in competition for half of that, 17th. That gets even better during championship years. Success rate in 2019 and 2022 combined. Before the buy, 29th. After the buy, 9th. So that's in ranking. That is a 20-team jump there. Quite the jump. EPA per play. Before the buy during those four years, 22nd. After the buy, 18th. Not as big of a jump there. But if you go to EPA per play, during those two championship runs combined, before the bye, you have 24th. And after the bye, you have 13th. You're seeing a pattern that he gets his teams playing when he needs to. Now in 2018, under Bob Sutton, the Chiefs had the 24th ranked uh, scoring defense. Upon Spag's arrival in 2019, he improved that to seventh. So, in my opinion, Chiefs Kingdom overrates our defensive talent a bit. All fan bases do it. You know, it's nothing. We should feel bad about it. I, I'm guilty of it too because we watch more of our team than we do the rest of the league. We put our we put our hopes and dreams on all these players. But they I also-
1: they underrate Treverius Ward. I will die on that hill. Treverius Ward oh, is, big time. is is a stud. I will never hear Treverius Ward slander. I'm not going to hear it. That's the only dude that Chiefs Kingdom, I think, underrated.
2: Oh, I think they underrate him big time. I never understand when people say he was bad. I think they're just thinking about the few times he got mossed by Jamar Chase, who basically isn't human, right? He's from another planet. So no shame in getting mossed by uh, uh, Jamar Chase. But the other thing here is what's easier? To admit that your defense isn't as talented as you'd like it to be or to put all the problems on one guy. And if you wave a magic wand and replace bags with someone else, it's the, you know, it's the steel curtain back in the day or the the 2000 Patriots or the, you know, 1985 Bears. It's easier to kind of do that. And outside of Tyron Matthew for first two years definitely his first one, I mean he was all pro both those years. I would say Chris Jones has been the only superstar level player uh, he's had a revolving door secondary of underrated young players and mercenary veterans. It's often one of the cheapest secondaries in the league. Last year, the unit had the league's second smallest cap hit. So that's something he has been saddled with figuring out every single year is how to produce a good secondary kind of like MacGyver, a good secondary out of like spare parts. Now, now Trent McDuffie's a little bit of a break from that. Um, But he hasn't played much yet, right? And then I would also keep in mind that opposing offenses are crazy aggressive against the Chiefs because they must keep up with Mahomes. How many times have we been sitting there watching games and teams go for it on fourth and fifth? I mean, uh, fourth and five, fourth and six, fourth and seven. You're like, I cannot believe this shit. This doesn't happen to other teams. It only happens to us. I I don't know about you guys. I feel like that all the time. And I watch a lot of the rest of the league and I know it to be true. Uh, So I'd argue that an aggressive mad scientist is the perfect match for Mahomes given that his explosive production allows for more aggression by the defense, right? I think that's a good, a good marriage. Those two Uh, Spags treats the first half of the season as a lab where he can integrate an experiment. Then by the second half of the year, He knows exactly how to use his players and has a bespoke game plan for each playoff matchup. That is when I think he's at his best. Uh, Lastly, he's tremendous at dialing up clutch moments. So whether it was Chris Jones kicking out uh, to edge on that pivotal third down against the Bengals or that well-timed Willie Gay blitz that made uh, the Eagles punt to Kadarius Toney He knows what he's just got so much experience and so many tools in his back. He's been in so many of these big moments. Keep in mind that he was the architect of the defense that ruined Tom Brady's perfect season. So he has been, he is battle tested. He, he has been in a lot of wars and he knows what buttons to push when I blab, I blabbed enough Sterling. You've heard my case. Should we lower the castle gates or should we keep them up?
1: First thing, I think Brian has a good point in the chat. Joe Cullen was the key to the Super Bowl. But the thing with Joe Cullen is, is he the most underrated apart. part? I actually talked about the success, and I think Chiefs fans talk about how good Joe Cullen is a lot. I mean, you can't, no one's ever said a bad word about Joe Cullen. And so for that reason, I'm in. Lower the gates. I do think is the most underrated part of the Chiefs' championship formula. Half the fan base wants him fired. They, they they won the Super Bowl. They've won two now, and you'll still see about probably what ten percent of the fan base saying Spags needs to go. Yeah, it's mind blowing. He he has a game plan. You know what it is? It's basically we're vanilla offense the first ten games of the year, and then we turn it on. He gets everyone acclimated. He's had to do it with a lot of moving pieces, a lot of rookies, not the most investment by any means on this defensive side of the ball, but he gets it done. We haven't talk about LeJaria Sneed. He was a fourth-rounder. No, this is not all spags getting the best out of these guys. you got to give credit to the secondary coaches, this, that, and the other. I understand that. But last year was a first-rounder McDuffie who was injured, a fourth-rounder LeJaria Sneed, a fourth-rounder in Joshua Williams, a seventh-rounder in Jalen Watson. And they were a good secondary. He needs some credit. And folks want him gone? Look look at the edge situation last year. It's not his fault that Frank Clark doesn't show up in the regular season. That's not on him. That was part of the game plan. You had Chris Jones last year. And then the second half of the year, Loftus finally came on. He doesn't have a full cupboard. And he was making it work last year. Again, you have to understand this. He will be bland first half of the year. It will be one of these situations where the numbers are never going to look outstanding because teams have to try, as you mentioned, to keep up with Kansas City and their offense. Mm -hmm. Teams are going to have a lot of offensive possessions because the Chiefs score so much and they can score quickly. And they're trying to go for touchdowns, not field goals. The goodness of the ball, because they understand running against the Kansas City Chiefs is not the way to beat them consistently. You, you know all the numbers. The analytical numbers say the best way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs is to actually throw the ball. you got to beat them through the air. Spags is the most underrated part of the championship formula for the Kansas City Chiefs. I am 100% with you.
2: Awesome. Yeah, and you think about Bashad Breeland. You think about Fuller. These guys have looked better in Kansas City than they've looked anywhere else. There's quite a few um, instances of that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, let's be honest, teams never sleepwalk against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. That game is always circled. It's highlighted. We're always the hunted. You know, other teams, you know, beating us would be a huge feather in their cap. So that's another element of this. But you're right. I think we don't talk positively enough about Steve Spagnuolo and we need to do more of it because a lot of it is all fans here is the bitching about why is Sorensen playing? Why has Ben Neiman playing? We don't talk enough about the things he does well Mm -hmm. and he's not, he's not perfect, but I will take him over what Buffalo has been doing in the playoffs where they just line up, don't get creative and basically say, our guys are going to beat your guys. And it never works. Steve Spagnolo, our defensive coordinator, Luana Anarumo from the Bengals, they don't do that. You never know what they're going to catch you with. Yep. And I think in, in this AFC gauntlet of, of just super talented quarterbacks, you cannot just line up in the playoffs and be vanilla. And I'm okay with him saying, we have Mahomes. If we lose to the Colts, so be it. But most of the time, we're going to get to the bye week. Only losing a game or two with playing vanilla defense. And then and I'm going to save my aces well, for the playoffs, right?
1: wasn't his fault against the Colts, too. They got to score more points. Uh, seriously. All, all, come on. You got, what was it, 16, 19? Yeah, whatever and, it was like. Trav,
2: Trav caught, uh, dropped a touchdown, I think. Sky Moore muffed the punt.
1: So I, I, again, I'm not saying Spags is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. I'm not saying he's more impactful than Andy Reid or Mahomes. What I am saying he's the most underrated, I'm 100% with you, Adam. you got to talk more positively about a guy who has, what, three rings now as a defensive coordinator? Right. One with the Giants and now two with the Chiefs? That's not just doing it here in Kansas City. That's that's a a, a tenured guy uh, who knows what he is doing. Again, there will be instances where he pisses you off or you're seeing George Karloff just dropped into coverage. It's part of him being crazy, and at times, it's going to work.
2: Yeah, and this is a similar thing to Vic Fangio, who wasn't a good coach, uh, head coach. Steve Spagnuolo was not a good head coach. Where did he get his opportunity? St. Louis, right? That that did not work out, but that doesn't mean he's not one of the better defensive coordinators in the National Football League. There there's not 10 guys, probably even 5 guys for this team that I'd rather have than him. Yeah. So, I'm I'm glad we're in agreement. I'm reminding myself to talk about Spags more in a positive light because I think he kind of only gets mentioned
1: when he does something wrong. Hell, we saw the fire spag stuff so much even during last year. Yeah. It's crazy. I got to give some more respect to Steve Spagnuolo, and plus what a great accent. Just, just incredible. Uh, before we get into our next segment, if you guys want to get some merchandise. We have you covered at Addict Merch Store is now live, and you can visit right now by clicking by clicking the link in the description below. Everything from shirts to hoodies to baby onesies and a pint glass. A pint glass is badass. And if you want, to get it right now, before Sunday, if you use code Kelsey. You will get 20% off your order. Again, check out and use code Kelsey, get 20% off your order. Uh, it will expire by Sunday. So I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of a come on now. You got four days. You can't get a pint glass or a baby onesie in four days. That's on you. I'm trying to give you 20% off. But look at that bad boy. You're telling me you want a KC beer? You wouldn't want a uh, martini and a pint glass like I sometimes do because I'm an idiot? Right there. You get that pint glass. You drink at it. We also have coffee mugs and everything in between. So again, all your guys' support means the world to us, even just a like, anything like that. But if you do want to get some merchandise, we got that for you as well. All right, Adam. Let's do the next segment. What do you have for us?
2: This is kind of a wacky idea I had. Uh, first off, I don't like that we changed Ring of Honor to Hall of Honor. I just think Ring Ring of Honor sounds cooler, but that's a minor gripe.
1: It's so Hall of Fame this- or Ring of Honor. Come on, it. We're not combining yes. these bad boys.
2: No, I, I know you're going for the alliteration or something, or they're they're worried about running out of room on the stadium, you know, on the actual stadium concrete, but. I don't like it but it is Hall of Honor so we're going to go with the Hall of Honor Battle Royal. So over the next decade
1: 10 Isn't Chiefs, Royale I'm going to stop you best. I know no, I'm not no, a nerd like it, you. It, Isn't it Royale?
2: No, the the movie, the movie is Battle Royale. The old wrestling, the old wrestling contest was Battle Royale where they'd have 20, 30 uh, you know all kinds of people in there and whoever's the last man standing after throwing everybody out, wins. I don't
1: wins. know, man. Royale sounds way cooler, dude. Royale sounds way more upscale, badass. Uh, so, what battle royale is? Is it's a Korean movie
2: that that I think the Hunger Games ripped off mm. from like twenty years ago. Pretty cool movie. Pretty pretty violent. So, uh, warning on that. But
1: thank you, movie. Ronald. Thank you, Ronald. He he says it should be Royale too.
2: I mean, it does sound cooler, but I think technically back in the old WWF days. Fine, we'll,
1: we'll do your WWF stuff. I'm by come up the, by top the way, this just- is
2: before your time, but the Iron Sheik died yesterday. So RIP to the Sheik. Um, yeah. So what we're going to do is you and me are going to referee a matchup between 20 potential inductees. 20 walk in, only 10 will survive. And just an FYI, Dante Hall has already been named the 2023 inductee. So he's not going to be on this list. Let me rattle this off for you.
1: Let's get ready to rumble. It's
2: pretty good. You're, you're like uh, a third buffer, an honorary buffer. I think, man, if you can get that career, that's got to be a pretty lucrative deal.
1: Yeah, it doesn't suck. I think it's what, two? It's like him and now his son's doing it.
2: There's one other guy, his brother, Bruce, uh, but there's one other guy that does it or something like that. So you're talking like three guys out of 8 billion people. Your odds are not very good Mm -hmm. if you want to uh, pursue that career path, but dream big, baby. Mm -hmm. So Jamal Charles, Tom Baha Lee, Willie Rofe, Eric Berry, Trent Green, Derek Johnson, Dale Carter, Larry Johnson, Frank Clark, Mitchell Schwartz, Alex Smith, Tyreek Hill, Eric Fisher, Tyron Matthew, Justin Houston, Carl Peterson, Joe Montana, Dick Vermeil, Dwayne Bowe, and Dustin Colquitt. Those are our 20. Sterling and I, we're going to hash this out. Only, tw- uh, only 10 will survive. Where do you want to start? with the most obvious or the, or the, the, the most, or the furthest away?
1: So I think what I'm going to do here is it's not just how good you were, because that's a little too obvious, right? You got to say, what did you do here in Kansas city, obviously. So if you had a career outside of Kansas city, uh, for example, Willie Rove's in, in my book, but just for example, you can't take what he did in new Orleans and, use that to put it here in Kansas city. It's just what you did in Kansas city. Um, let's do it, dude. Well, I, I, you're, I you're agree. Any, we have I ten think, ten spots, right?
2: Yeah. I think what you're getting at too, is there's a little bit of a narrative involved here. Like yeah. what was their story in Kansas city? So because of that, I think that hurts someone like Larry Johnson.
1: Yes. Who was incredible is.
2: here, but left on a very sour note, let's say
1: let's go down the list one at a time and say yes or no. We have 10 spots, right? So let's go down and see how many we say yes or no to Uh, Jamal Charles is a yes. I'm going to go ahead and say that's an obvious lock. I think
2: that's the easiest yes in the list for me.
1: Okay. Tom Bahali is going to be a little bit more difficult, but man,
2: entire career in Kansas city. He did not play a snap for another team. Uh, I think he had, you know, he had something like he had a bunch of Pro Bowl selections. I'm going to probably myself weigh all pros higher than Pro Bowls, but yes, of course. he had a, a pretty consistent Kansas City career. And I just think he's a guy that gave his heart and soul to the city. And because of that, I'm leaning yes.
1: What's funny is I'm looking at this list. I think about the first six dudes I'm saying yes on. And then, and then I have a long stretch of, I think, no's. um, But I'll go yes for Tom Bahali as well. So we got two in. Willie Rofe.
2: Yeah, he is in the Saints Hall of Fame. I guess the question here is, can you have a guy that's in like two Hall of Fames? Do we consider him a chief? We're going to run into this question again with Joe Montana, I think.
1: Um, Um, Willie Rofe was here four years, 2002 through 2005, But what really boosts him is he is known as one of the best offensive linemen in Chiefs history. One of them, right? Even if it's only a a four-year stretch. NFL NFL history, too, obviously. But again, we're just talking Kansas City here. That four-year stretch was incredible. You almost have to say yeah, right?
2: Yeah, I heard today on the um, Athletic Football Podcast, friend of the show, Nate Tice, was talking about Priest-Holmes. And that 2003, 2004, those two years of of Chiefs offense, their running game, their success rate was at like 50%. It it was the most dominant two-year rushing attack we've seen in a long, long time. They're almost as efficient as Mahomes is throwing the ball. It was just unreal. And I love Priest-Holmes. But before, and, and I think that was a hell of a find by Carl Peterson to bring him in. Yeah. But he wasn't the priest Holmes we know and love until he got behind Willie and Brian and will and Casey and John. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're saying so far, yes, on Charles, Holly and Rofe we might have to go back at the very end of this and, and, and shore this out, but going to Eric Berry at four, I'm in on Eric Berry, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think How I'm, I'm yes no. Eric Barry.
2: I mean, what did what did he have? Like three first-team All Pros, maybe the most inspirational comeback story we've ever seen uh, before the unfortunate, you know, illness. He was a generational talent who was playing like a generational talent.
1: So we got four guys, and again, I said i the six. I might say yes on it. So this is what making is, is making it very hard on me to to find four more spots. Uh, Eric Berry's a yes. Trent Green.
2: Who? Where would you rank him among Chiefs all-time quarterbacks?
1: Is he third? Is he fourth? So you have Mahomes, Fifth? Lynn Dawson. I think you can say Joe Montana, but as far as what they've done in Kansas City, Joe Montana didn't play here long enough, in my opinion, to get in. So, sorry, everyone. I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. I don't have Joe Montana making it in the Ring of Honor. He did not play here long enough. Trent Green spent how many years here? Twelve? Look it up. Well, and the fact that he's still part of the community
2: and, you know, calls Chiefs games and he feels like a lifer. You know
1: what I mean? Man, he played six years here. That's it. It Felt way longer. That feels about right to me. Because uh, when you're a child and that's the quarterback you watch growing up when you're seven through 14, uh, that felt like a long time. Or seven through 12, 13, whatever it is. Uh, Time is, it it moved way slower back then. So it felt like it was a lot longer. Yeah. Maybe I'm out. No,
2: no, I, I hear you. When I was young, guys like Steve DeBerg, and, and and whatnot, they felt like they were around forever, but they weren't. Uh, and trust me, when you're older and you watch Trent Green, it ended all too soon. Mm-hmm. And the the Tyler Thigpen, Brody Croyle, Damon Heward, uh Matt Castle clusterfuck uh, was excruciating to live through. So that makes me,
1: you I, I know. S- it, I'm gonna say no right now. I'm gonna say Mm -hmm. just on the outside looking in. I got to go down the list a little longer, but I I truthfully thought he played here longer. Okay, I'm not. uh, Hey, dumbass. I was. I was. I thought he played a little longer. He did not. Six years. Uh, I'm gonna say no just for right now.
2: Okay. One last point on Trent Green before we move on. I he obviously had Tony Gonzalez, but outside of Eddie Kinnison, I just don't think he had that great of arsenal of skilled players, uh, of receivers during his time. Obviously he had the running backs and priest. Tell was tremendous. So just one note there. Mm-hmm. How you feeling on
1: DJ? Pretty
2: easy, right? Yeah. That's an
1: easy end. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, I wish injured, he yeah.
2: didn't end up as a Raider, you know, the same as Jamal Charles. I, I wish I could men in black myself and, and forget that image, but he didn't play there very long.
1: By the way, I'm going to say this already. I have Trent green ahead of Alex Smith on my list so once we get to him there's your there, there's your info right there better player uh better player and longer here and it just felt like i love alex smith i really do and the success was here but the playoff success still wasn't here it was almost the only very Trent grain like right He had a lot of regular season success but no playoff success uh and then mahomes obviously broke the curse so um bad for him out there but dale carter Dale Carter is interesting. Okay. Dale Carter played for Kansas City for seven years. He was NFL defensive rookie of the year, two-time second team all-pro here in Kansas City, a four-time pro bowler. Man. What do you think?
2: Uh, I was surprised he's not on. Yeah. I, I thought James Hasty might not have made it, but they were a great, great twosome back in the day. I'm kind of a maybe on Dale Carter. It just depends if we have room.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. But those accolades are, he's definitely on the inside track. Okay. Um, I know you have, I think you said you you have Trent Green in yours.
2: Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I do have him above Alex Smith because sorry guys, I'm not putting you in the hall of honor for being a mentor. I'm just not. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate that, but this is the hall of honor. This is like, y- you have to, you know, you have to make some cutthroat calls. So, so LJ
1: out Larry Johnson now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He just, the way, the way he ended here off the field and everything, I think left a sour taste in everyone's mouth.
1: Hey, Hey, I will say Swiss, Mr. KC. he says Dale Carter ha- has to be in. I have Dale Carter currently as number six on my, on my list right now. So, so Dale Carter is in. Uh, he, he's ahead of Trent Green right now. Um, yeah, no, no, Larry Johnson, Frank Clark.
2: Man, I'm a I'm a no on Frank, but I'm putting myself in the crosshairs there. But I, I think when we have a little distance, we might we might be romanticizing him less.
1: I, I think so too. I, the playoff numbers are obviously phenomenal, but. He's and the
2: a, and the vibes. There are a lot of the, vibes, vibes right?
1: Great vibes. We'll see. He's a question mark for me, but probably on the outside looking in
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: Mitchell Schwartz. I think he's in. Yeah.
2: And here's my argument for Mitchell Schwartz. Were you the best at your position in the entire league? And did you play here for a while? He was the best right tackle in the league. If not the best, the second best, and he won a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and he played flawlessly in that Super Bowl in that playoff run. Yeah, so he would be the one of the easiest yeses on my list.
1: Yeah, you you can't just say it's tough, but if you were good in the playoffs like Frank Clark is, but you you kind of disappeared in the regular season, you got to take the whole picture here. Mitchell Schwartz was so good for so long. Again, as you mentioned, the best right tackle in football. I think Schwartz is in for sure.
2: I'm out on Alex Smith.
0: I,
1: not, I,
2: yeah. I really like him. I really like him as a person. I admire the hell out of him. Just, you know, the guys ahead of him are better We're better chiefs.
1: Yeah. I love Ty. I mean, I love Alex Smith, but I, I don't see him in the ring of honor. Personally. Sorry. The hall of honor. Uh, Tyree Hill, I think has got to be a yes. He's the best wide receiver in chiefs history. Him yeah. and Otis, I mean, you can go back and forth, but if yeah. you look at the accolades, it's it might be Tyreek Hill. kill.
2: I, yeah, there's an argument that he's the deadliest, most dangerous deep threat in league history, him and Randy Moss. The only thing with Tyreek, you never know how this guy is going to end his football chapter. I mean, I hate to say it, but I just get get this Antonio Brown Brownish feeling from him that things are not going to end well for Tyreek. Would that affect your decision at all?
1: Hmm. As of now, no, unless he literally goes off the deep end, but it's really tough to... What did he have? Like three three all-pro selections in Kansas City? Yeah, it was... I mean, he, you look at the accolades, he's been the most productive wide receiver in Chiefs history. It's kind of tough to keep him off the list. Yep. I mean, it's been him and Otis Taylor. There, there, there's your, your one-two. I, I know it's fun to say no right now because he went to Miami and all this stuff, but it's tough when you have the accolades that he has to say no.
2: And also, if you're going to put Carlos Carson in... I believe he's in in the Hall of Honor. You kind of have to put Tyreek. You, you have to be consistent, right?
1: So we're both yes on Tyreek. So far, that's eight. We might have to go back and uh, readjust our list. Next two guys, I'm going to say no to both. Eric Fisher and Tyron Matthew. I like Eric Fisher a lot. Can't get there with Eric Fisher. And Tyron Matthew had a phenomenal two years. Great two years. Not long enough. Not long enough. That third year, in my opinion, doesn't validate... Uh, even if he was phenomenal that third year, then you're probably having a a legit conversation. But uh, I'm out on Tyron Matthew and Eric Fisher.
2: Yeah, it hurts me. I'm a big fan of the Honey Badger. And I think if they would have won back-to-back titles, like if they would have won that game in 2020, that probably would have been enough. But I agree with you. He just wasn't here long enough. It sucks because I do think he was probably the greatest free agent acquisition in franchise history. But longevity matters
1: here. Uh, speaking of longevity, Justin Houston is this Justin Houston. Is he
2: ever gonna retire? I mean, <laughs> he, he is durable as hell. Like, what what are you eating? What's your training regimen? Like, tell us, dude. We need
1: to know. What's interesting is does he want to be in the Chiefs Hall of Honor?
2: Yeah, I think time heals all wounds. You know, there have been guys like Tony and Neil who kind of left with some bad blood and, and the fans being upset. They were upset and things are kind of on a good page now. So I, I, he's pretty high up there on the all-time sack leaders list for, for the Chiefs. I was surprised how high he was, but I mean, we forget the, the, those years. I mean, he had 20-something sacks one year. 22. One of the highest totals in league history.
1: Man, I I, I got to say yes to Justin Houston, and I know Tom Bahali. I see that Latrell in the chat says Houston over Bahali. You almost have to. He, Houston was the better player.
2: He was, but did he give more to the city and the organization? Tom Bahali is the rare lifelong no. chief. Played well for over a decade. That's a hell of a story.
1: I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it just comes down to do you do you go with the production, the 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 player, or do you go with the package of, of Kansas city, right? It's yeah, it is the chiefs hall of honor. And maybe you do go with Holly over, over Justin Houston, but right now I have both those guys in. All right. I have one spot left. This is going to make it very hard. Cause a couple of names I want to get on there. Carl Peterson. Is he, is he in or out?
2: He's in man. This, this to me is, is an outrageous snub. I know some people don't like King Carl, but let's look at it objectively. Before his, before his hire, the team had one playoff game in 17 years. They were struggling to sell season tickets. There was no atmosphere. There was no Arrowhead mystique and his personnel decisions and marketing acumen created the culture that we know and love. So if you put Marty in, in 2010, the guy that brought him in and helped him build those teams, you got to put King Carl in too. You got to put in Carl Peterson. I think I, it's going to be a damn shame if he doesn't get in while he's still alive.
1: I, I think so too. I, I'm somewhat the same boat. And if you read uh, Tim Grunard's book um, view from the center, which he's been on the show a few times, if you want to get that book, I highly recommend it, but he talks about the culture. And that is part of this. This is again, the chief's hall of honor. And, and he was instrumental instrumental in the Kansas city culture of bringing back and, and being having the players as almost part of the, the fan base, right? Having mm-hmm. the fan base and the players have that connection, the Chiefs kingdom mantra, if you will. I think you have to put Carl Peterson in. Yeah. Uh, Easy Joe, call for me. Joe Montana, both out on, correct? Yep. Okay. So I'm at 10 right now. How many you have?
2: About the same. I think we've been almost in unison the entire time.
1: All right. Uh,
2: Oh, I just don't think he was here long enough. I love the guy. I think he's an amazing human being. I love those teams, but.
1: mm. How many years was he here?
2: Not as long as green. I don't think because Saunders took over for him.
1: Yeah. Only five years. I got, you got to say, I got to say, no, that's tough too. All the reasons you said, but only five years.
2: Yep. Dwayne uh, Bo, Debo. Oh,
1: man. Dwayne Bo is tough.
2: Yeah. And I think one thing that we should consider out of fairness to Dwayne Bo is who was throwing him the rock, mm-hmm. right? This guy wasn't playing with Trent Green, he wasn't playing with Patrick Mahomes. He's playing with some really bad quarterbacks most of the time and i I want to say he led the league in touchdowns playing with matt castle
1: yeah he had 15 that year 15 that year man um
2: I, I don't have him in by the way but but it, it I had to think about it and I think I,
1: he's I, extremely close I think yeah. he's extremely close but I'm gonna have him right now in that next that next bracket okay He's bows in that next bracket for me. I already have 10 because the next guy is an automatic lock for me. And that's Dustin Colquitt. I think Dustin Colquitt's for sure. Yes.
2: If you're talking about longevity and being one of the best at what you do, I'm not going to dock him for being a punter.
1: And for being so ingrained in the Kansas city community.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Tommy Townsend really appreciates that too much, but uh, he is still very much part of the uh, the fraternity of Chiefs players and the you know just the Chiefs
1: culture in the city. So, so what do we have? We have 11, 12? I have eleven right now. I have Jamal Charles, uh-huh. Tom Bahali, Willie Rofe, Eric Barry, Dustin Johnson, Dale Carter, Mitchell Schwartz. Tyreek Hill, Justin Houston, Carl Peterson, Dustin Colquitt. I have Trent Green, Frank Clark, and Dwayne Bowe just on the outside looking in. On the bubble. So, on the bubble. So I have 11 right now. I got to take one out. I'm not sure who it's going to be yet.
2: Um, my instinct is Dale Carter, but I don't want to have recency bias. And he played a huge role on an elite defense at a premium position, you know? So it's, it's, hmm. who else are candidates to, to uh, drop here? You said Justin Houston,
1: Justin Houston is probably the closest one. I keep seeing everyone talk about Tyreek Hill. I get it guys. I get it. I understand your frustration. I get it. But
2: the accolades don't lie. It's going to be like Tony G and Neil Smith, you know? I'm not even thinking about taking Tyreek off. Yeah. I I would say that Tyreek Hill is one of the 10 best, most talented best players this franchise has ever had. Yeah. So for me, it's Justin Houston, just because of the way his story went, didn't spend that long of a time here. Uh, Or Dale Carter.
0: Hmm.
2: You have any other ideas on someone we could pull off? Willie Rofe? Willie Rove,
1: see, because of longevity, it's four years.
2: And saying that he's more saint than chief, kind of like Joe Montana, who's more 49er than, uh, yeah. Oh. I think that might be easier, just saying he's in another Hall of Fame, so he's disqualified, he's a saint, he's not a chief
1: I I see this question you say Larry off field issues, but, but, uh, Tyreek, it's okay. I think what Terry, Larry Johnson's a great running back, but Larry Johnson's not above priest Holmes, Jamal Charles in the chiefs grand scheme of things. Tyreek. What about
2: Kimball Anders though? Kimball Anders just got in. So it's kind of like,
1: yeah. Uh, The the thing I, I wouldn't have major qualms if he got in personally, I get it, but we're talking about the 10 here and I I wouldn't have in my top 10. I I don't think Larry Johnson's close in my eyes.
2: He did have a two year run. That was just one of the craziest runs ever seen in the NFL.
1: Two years. Tyree kill was the, maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL. He was top five for five years, four years, right? Like, there you go. That's why I understand the off the field stuff. I understand how he left he was too talented to leave off this list the off the field stuff
2: primarily i'm not excusing it by any means but it primarily happened before he arrived in kansas city based on what we know i know there was another controversy that never amounted to anything larry johnson the way he left <clears throat> his ending here was very put a sour taste in everybody's mouth so i think it's it's a different uh, situation
1: yeah of these 10, it comes down to Rofe and Houston. But I'm gonna go with Rofe being my number eleven. I hate to do it because I bleep and love Willie Rofe. He's yeah. my number eleven because four years, the the majority of his time was with the Saints.
2: Yeah, if we're gonna say Vermeil you don't get in, some of these other guys that weren't here for very long, like like the honey badger who Willie Rofe was great, but Tyron yeah. delivered a Super Bowl. So I think if we're going to exclude Vermil and Matthew on on those grounds, then then Willie Rove can't make it either.
1: How close is Eric Berry for you? Eric Berry played how many actual seasons here? Eric I, Berry I th- played before injuries. He played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven before one game, two game, but he only had one, two, three, five seasons where he was healthy. We played. Yeah, but Dumping how many first
2: team? How many All Pro selections did he have? Uh, three. First team.
1: Uh, all Pro one, All Pro one, All Pro one. Yes.
2: Uh, I mean, he's. Yeah. I think when you compare, when you have his story, like we're gonna have a riot in the comment section if we don't put Eric Berry in.
1: He is. Yeah, he's in there.
2: He is cherished by the kingdom.
1: I love uh, Eric Berry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the most memorable plays I think in franchise history was that touchdown return in his home city of Atlanta against the Falcons. Yeah. Mm. Got to put Eric Berry in. I, I think it's Rofe just on, if we're, if we're being consistent and saying, is Joe Montana a chief or a 49er when it's all said and done? And because Willie Rofe is in the saints hall of fame, and played longer in New Orleans, I think he's a saint, not a chief.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going with that too. I think we're going to agree. So
2: let's go down our final 10. We have Jamal Charles, Tom Bhali, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Dale Carter, Mitchell Schwartz, Tyree Kill. Justin Houston, Carl Peterson, and Dustin Colquitt. Those are our 10.
1: Yep. Uh, It's tough, man. It's just (laughs) really, really hard. I thought it wouldn't be as difficult to do this. I I really thought, okay, yeah, 10, half of them? Sure, right? We can do this. Man, was this hard.
2: Yeah, and I really like Kimball Anders, but I almost think you could make an argument for every single player on this list over him.
1: Yeah. That's-
2: and I think he w- wasn't he the last selection. I don't I don't get that, but but you know, props to Kimball Anders. He's a very good player, and hopefully, a lot of these guys get in.
1: Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Kansas City is such a storied franchise. It really does make it you. It does put into perspective the storied franchise that Kansas City truthfully is. And we're going to see a lot more going with the Super Bowl. How much boost are we going to see from guys like Frank Clark? How much boost are we going to see from Tyron Matthew? How much boost are we going to see from uh, maybe LeJarius Sneed when everything's all... you you just We're going to start seeing this Super Bowl team. What's going to happen with these guys? That is going to be interesting to watch.
2: Yeah, the problem with this list and all these guys knocking on the door, wanting to get in, is Mahomes is getting in. Chris Jones is getting in, Travis Kelsey is getting in, Andy Reid is getting in, and honestly, probably at this rate, Brett Beach is getting in. Yep. So, so you have some guys that are definitely shoo-ins coming up. Are you excited about Dante Hall? And oh, yeah. one question before we go, because I've heard this asked about Devin Hester too. Do you think guys like Devin Hester and Dante Hall should be considered for the Hall of Fame, given that they were the best to do it? in NFL history, not as lucrative as a position, not something you can do for 10 years, unless you're Cordero Patterson, I guess. But
1: I, I think they should be in. Yeah. I I, I do. I, I don't see why not. I mean, I mean, literally, they, they was... Dante Hall and, and Devin Hester were game changers. I get it. It's not a... It was eventually like... They, they probably will because like closers in baseball, right? For the longest time, closers were not even considered. You pitched one inning in a game, you weren't a starter, no chance. you you were a failed starter. you know, you were a quote unquote failed wide receiver. you're a, you're a returner. No, you can't get in, but I think they should. I, I honestly think they should. There should be a spot for those guys. I also think more kickers should go in by the way. I think it's what there's two kickers, Morton Anderson and Jan Stnnerib. That's it.
2: Or is like in now? It's
1: now. has been a, i don't know I, if Vinatieri got in yet or not. I
2: don't look, think he's gotten in yet. I imagine he will. You know, with the the rules changes with kickoffs and everything, I imagine we're going to see less touchdowns returned over time, and guys like Dante Hall and Devin he- and Hester will just look better in hindsight every single year.
1: Yeah, and I see one last thing. Shame on you, Sterling, for leaving Willie Rove off the list. Hey Chris Adam did too It's not my fault okay I want w- Willie Rofe in there. Willie Rofe was the was an anchor on one of the best offensive lines, maybe the best offensive line in NFL history. I get it, but it was those four years that's what it came down to um, yeah, and we to, needed re- a
2: reason we needed a reason to eliminate a few guys and saying Joe Montana is in the 49ers Hall of Fame and Willie Rofe is in the Saints Hall of Fame. Those guys are going to be remembered that way. was an easy out. But that is all we have for you guys on this episode of Wacky Wednesday. Until next time, go Chiefs.